reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and can be found on page 965 of the Church Bibles. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. I wonder who you think of when you hear the name Joseph. Um can't really see him there, can you? You see him a bit in the, in the bottom right. Um, this, this, this is just a beautiful book of paintings, of scenes from Jesus' life it, by the contemporary Dutch artist, a man called Rian Portfleet. Absolutely beautiful and, and text written by, uh, by a Dutch writer. And um, it's just the image of, uh, of a, a young Joseph, a young Joseph bearded, lying in his bed, um, just raising himself up on one elbow, and, and uh, it, it's, it's the encounter with the angel. I just wanted it there as, as inspiration. Unfortunately, I completely forgot it, and thank you, Lily, for taking the photograph at 6 p.m. and sending it to me. So we've just, just got it, um, but it's beautiful. I wonder who you think of when the, uh, the name Joseph comes up. Everywhere the story is told of the birth of Jesus, we hear his name. Um, my greatest friend in the world since school days uh, is an Irishman called Finton. He was our best man at Claire's and my wedding. And um, he, he, would, he, he managed even to get this joke into, into his wedding speech, which, is, uh, which, which, which went something like, when I was a young lad, I used to think that our Lord and all his family lived in the bathroom. Because every morning, my dad would hammer on the door and say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, are you not out of there yet? <laughs> so, so, so the name Joseph always makes me smile because I think of Finton, I think of Finton's father. He's a great man of God, by the way, Finton, that is. Um, what comes up for you when you hear the name? I imagine him walking the pregnant Mary on their donkey to Bethlehem, having to be strong for them both. Joseph walking and Mary riding, very pregnant. I imagine him a few years later, panic-stricken when they realize that the boy Jesus is no longer with them as they walk back to, uh, on the road back from Jerusalem. 
And since we know he was a carpenter, I imagine him fondly showing the teenage Jesus how to work with a plane and how to craft from wood and smiling and laughing when, when Jesus can't manage to saw straight and then taking extreme care as they handle sharp instruments together. There's something beautiful about sharing and imparting a craft like that, as surely the father would do with his son. What we read here tonight goes beyond these familiar images, however accurate you may find them. The passage, the narrative of Mary's conception, is more, is more readily associated with Luke's account of the great angel Gabriel visiting Mary and securing her consent to become mother of the Son of God. Matthew treats it rather differently, almost a throwaway verse. So Luke's got this whole visitation of Gabriel coming to Mary. Um, and, and Matthew agrees, but he covers it in the second half of verse 18. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. It's like, yeah, of course, you know, as you do, right? It's like, it's just like a, and, and then he, Matthew focuses on Joseph. Um, I suspect because he, he's, we know that Matthew was writing for the Jews. And we know that Matthew was writing for a, a patriarchal society. And I'm so glad he did because here we have a delightful portrait of this man who is to be entrusted with fathering Jesus himself. And I want to learn four things this evening together from this story of Joseph. Four things I, I think God wants to speak to each of us here tonight. And they are character, character, reality, role, and adoption. Character, reality, role, and adoption. The character of Joseph. Uh, what is the character of the man? We have a number of clues here in these verses from Matthew. So first of all, verse 19, we read that he's faithful to the law. He's faithful to the law, unlikely strong as well. I imagine a strong, faithful, I hold the line man. Also, verse 19, he didn't want to expose Mary. At this stage, he thinks she's probably slept with someone. That's, that's probably what's happened. But he doesn't want to expose her. Um, of course, exposing her could be lethal. Uh, betrothal in those days, they were betrothed to be married. Uh, to be married, betrothal was a, a legal commitment. It's just the same as um, as marriage, effectively. It's the period before the marriage, so they wouldn't sleep together, but they were committed to one another, and it was legal. So for Mary to sleep with someone else in that period is adultery, and that was punishable by death in that society. So Joseph is protecting her, and in his view. And he comes to this conclusion. So, so, so we, sorry, so we have an honorable Joseph, I think, and a caring Joseph. Now he comes to this conclusion, I'm going to divorce her quietly. In other words, I'll break off the betrothal, but I'll do so quietly. He's a thoughtful man. Um, I don't think Joseph really believed the story. Um, and nor did Zachariah the priest, if you remember, the father of John the Baptist, even when Gabriel visited him and told him about his son. Zechariah didn't believe. And at this stage, Joseph is in the same state. I think he's heard something from Mary, and he doesn't believe it. It's uh, like, you're pregnant. Don't believe that. You believe you're pregnant. Don't believe anything about this Gabriel stuff. And then, verse 20, the angel appears. The angel appears and speaks clearly and specifically, very specifically to Joseph in a dream. 
verse 2021. 20, and Joseph wakes up and apparently has no doubt about this encounter. So it, it must have been pretty vivid. He doesn't, it seems, discuss it with friends and debate whether it was really true. It seems that Gabriel's visit, I'm, I'm guessing it's Gabriel's visit to Joseph. And one thing we know from every angelic encounter in the Bible is that angels leave their mark. You meet an angel, you know you've met something very, very special. And there's no disbelief. And we read, he does what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He does what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Joseph is quick to believe God. And he takes Mary home as his wife, just when the world will say, that's crazy or weak as a thing to do. Joseph in full and costly obedience, in full and costly obedience to God, and obedience always comes at a cost, brings Mary into his family and under his protection. And by the way, there's nobility here as well. There's a, there's a nobility of purpose, but also some nobility of lineage. Joseph is one of David's line. Uh, Gabriel addresses him in that way, son of David. Joseph is adopting Jesus. Joseph is adopting Jesus into the line of David, which gives Jesus the birthright to be the promised Messiah and therefore to be able to save his people from their sins because we know that the Messiah will come from the line of David. This essentially makes Jesus royalty because he's adopted by Joseph, even though he's the son. So he becomes human royalty and he's the son of God. Joseph is an extraordinary man and a man of great resilience who will go through all of this and all the shame and all the questioning and, and, and all the doubt and all the snide remarks and all of the stuff that will come to him. I also get the feeling that, like his ancestor David, he was a man after God's own heart. Maybe that could be said of Joseph too. Someone God knew he could trust. I um, once had a wonderful conversation with a man uh, who was the chief of staff to the great Billy Graham. And uh, he said a wonderful thing. He said, people ask me um, all the time, why does Billy Graham have such, why did God give Billy Graham such influence? Billy Graham ministered to a dozen presidents. He said, why did he give him so much influence? And he said, he said you know what I say? Because he knew he could trust him. There's something just truly honorable about Billy Graham, right, from top to bottom. It's like, this guy's not going to fall. And there's something like that about Joseph, I think, too. And finally, we read in verse 44 that Joseph didn't even consummate the marriage until after the birth of Jesus, presumably some eight months later. So there's no record of an instruction on this, but somehow he understands that the sheer holiness and otherworldliness of what's happening to Mary means that she's not in that place. And it's not right for the two to sleep together and to become one flesh while the Son of God himself is an embryo in Mary's womb. Joseph is a man of honor. Uh, by the way, isn't that extraordinary? I, it's crazy, isn't it? But it's never really struck me before that Jesus was an embryo at one stage, right? It's that extraordinary. I mean, it's obvious, right? But, but we think Jesus is a baby. But for Jesus to be a, like a one-month-old embryo forming it, oh, my goodness. The Son of God, extraordinary, extraordinary. So, so much for his character. Oh, and by the way, sorry, I should finally say, and then the passage ends with, and he called him Jesus. The angels say, call him Jesus, and Joseph, call him Jesus. He does what the angel says. He does what God commands. So what would it be like to be Joseph? We've got this 
Great character, faithful, strong, honorable, caring, thoughtful, quick to believe God, noble, resilient, a man of honor who does what God commands. But what was his reality? What was the reality that he was about to face? You Imagine you, Joseph. You've been asked to marry Mary. You've, that's what happened. And you, you're kind of told who you get married, who you get married to. Was she beautiful? Was she charming? I don't know. She was probably about 16. He was probably about 25. Classic ages to get married in, uh, in those days. She might even have been younger. Some people think she might have been 14, but somewhere 16, 25. Something. Big thing in his life. Big thing in a young man's life, of course. Huge, life-changing. Who am I going to marry? And then suddenly the ask changes because with Mary being pregnant, most of the town will have serious question marks. And this close community will turn in and some will turn on him. And some people will believe her experience of Gabriel and his dream and that this baby's been given by God, but many will scoff and many won't believe it. And people will think he's weak or foolish. Does he have friends he can go to? Perhaps. Perhaps, probably. He'll have a few close friends and he'll be sharing it with them. But he makes the choice. He makes the choice, whatever. And then what reality awaits him? Eight months, married but not consummated. They can't be together. This young couple that save themselves from one another, but here they are for, sorry, this young couple that would save themselves for one another, waiting for the moment they get married, but then they get married, and here they are carrying a child with all that that entails. Maybe Mary, she, maybe she doesn't have an easy pregnancy. It doesn't tell us, but... Matthew doesn't mention it. Maybe she has sickness. Who knows? Where do they live? Joseph's going to stand by her. And then on top of it all, there's this census. And the census is going to come in. And they're going to have to go to Bethlehem while she's super pregnant. And away from all the natural support that would, they would have at home. And all this time, Joseph's little voice in his head, if he's anything like me, is saying to him, you, you can't be serious. This can't be for real. This is crazy. What are you doing? So I would have hated this. I would have hated this. This role that Joseph is asked to play. I'd have been, my goodness, I'm doing a lot for God here. Right? A little bit of why me? Why me? Why me? I'm just a carpenter in a town. I've got some friends. I said, you know, I'm a strong young man. I respect to my friends, the joy of the community. And how much trust do I now have to have for God's plan, in God's plans for my life? Do I really think this is God's plan for my life? I'm about to put everything that I have into danger. And I'm going to have to take a back seat. It's my wife who's at the root of all this, who's going to be the heroine. Even if I believe everything that God's telling me, I can see that. She's the one who's going to bear the child. And I've got this walk-on part. I'm going to adopt or foster this child. It's not even going to be mine. It's like a bit part role, right? If you look at the genealogy in the first part of Matthew 1 that ends in verse 16, right, right from Abraham, he's going the son of, the son of, the son of. And then he gets to verse 16, and he says, Jacob, the father of Joseph. And then he doesn't say, who was the father of Jesus? He says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. 
I would probably have been feeling pretty sorry for myself if I were Joseph. But Joseph probably didn't feel that at all. Our look at his character suggests his resilience, sense of honor, faithfulness was going to triumph. But either way, what God had in store for him, my goodness, the privilege of being the human being that will most closely mentor the human being that is Jesus. I'm Joseph. I get to instruct God himself in the ways of being a man. Isn't that extraordinary? Joseph is about to be asked to instruct God himself in the ways of being a man. That young boy is going to grow up with Joseph as his day-to-day father. And that's how Jesus, who will be the savior of the world, is going to learn to be a man. Now that, that is a role worth playing. That is a role worth playing. That's beyond belief. God himself is going to become dependent on me as his father and mentor for much of his young life. And I'm going to discover that my son has an amazingly deep relationship with God in heaven. And there's a depth to him. Just imagine the thrill to discovering all that. Even the sense of maybe he knows more than I know. Maybe as Jesus gets older, there's wonderment that clicks in, this edge of wonderment and joy. But also in this beautiful role, I get to mentor the Son of God. I get to raise him up as his son. And it's down to my teaching when he does all these amazing things that he's going to do in the world. And my hand will have been on him. And he'll have learned all his humanity at my elbow. Incredible. And wherever this story is told, a mere 2,000 years from this moment, wherever all this story is told, there are going to be 2 billion people who know my name and somehow at some level admire my role. 2 billion people and my role will have been central to the story of humanity. And what in Nazareth, as Mary bore the child in the womb, will have seemed like a trivial walk on part, suddenly in the light of eternity becomes, I am the co-star. This is Oscar territory for supporting actor. Right? So my friends, what God said to me in this is don't underestimate your own role. Just don't underestimate the role that God's asking you to play in the great story he's telling. Because if you're anything like me, you yearn for a bigger part. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to build the domain that God gives you. That's great. Or maybe it may be your opposite. Maybe you shy away from the part that's yours to play. Maybe actually it scares you and it's your light that frightens you and you step back. But there's a lot of dissatisfaction. Lots of us are dissatisfied most of the time. We either want more or less. And Joseph took what God gave him, which at the time looked rough and looked like it was going to be a bit part role. And he's ended up being a central figure in the salvation of humankind. So we just trust God, don't we? We just trust God and we step out. And we step out with faith. And we step into the role that God has for us. I just wonder what role he has for you. And whether you're 17 or 17, there's still work to be done for God and his kingdom. Because the kingdom's not fully here, is it? I mean, it is, but it isn't. Right? The kingdom of God is here, but it's also coming, and it's also yet to come.
and we have a role to play. I wonder what yours is. Just ask you, as Joseph did, seize the moment with both hands. No matter what the cost. And God will always, 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 always be with you. Always reward you. That's the deal. Till the end of the age. So that is Joseph. Character. Extraordinary. Um, reality. Difficult. Role. Amazing. And I just want to finish with a couple of words on an extraordinary revelation that I've had in... It's the great thing about preparing sermons. <laughs> get these wonderful, wonderful words that otherwise I wouldn't get. I'm, I, it just shows me I need to be... I really do need to be more prayerful and diligent in the Scripture because every time I am, I get huge reward, right? So thanks for listening to the preach because this has been a beautiful journey for me and I want to share this one with you. I think there's something extraordinary about the foster parenting, right, or adoption. Because by taking Mary home to be his wife, as we said before, Joseph is adopting Jesus into his family and therefore into the lineage of David. And there's something very beautiful about adoption. Um, some of you will know uh, the, the preacher Mark Stibbe, who... Uh, spoke here many, many years ago. A man who's had battles of his own, but he was adopted. I always remember his story. He was adopted by a father who he adored. And this father had um, a son of his own, and then he adopted, um, he adopted uh, Mark and his sister. And he was such a wonderful man. Mark said the thing that he always remembered was that Every night after he'd gone to bed, his father would open his, the door to his bedroom and point at Giles, uh, to, um, sorry, his brother's Giles, point at Mark in his bed and say, just remember, I chose you. I chose you. And it's like when he could have been feeling a little bit second best to the blood son of his dad, actually, he felt like a prince. I chose you. Something beautiful about that. And Joseph does this for Jesus, amazingly. He's saying, I'm choosing to say yes to you, Jesus, in a phrase that would, I guess, preempt what we've all said. I'm choosing to say yes to you, and I'm adopting you into my family. But then the beautiful thing today, of course, is that God today offers to adopt you into his family. So everyone here tonight has that offer. Many of you have said yes. Some of you haven't yet. But you all have that offer. Come and join my family. Come and be, come and be my son. Come and be my daughter. And by the way, the Bible talks about, Paul talks about sonship, adoption into sonship. Uh, and, and if you don't already know, I just want every woman in this church tonight to be absolutely clear that is not a gender point that sonship means is is just from the culture it just means inheritance so you're you're adopted as an inheriting child you will inherit all the kingdom you will inherit all the glory that is god's if you say yes to the adoption 
God sent his son, born of woman, under the law, Paul says in Galatians, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So Joseph's adoption of Jesus paves the way for God's adoption of us. How cool is that? Joseph's adoption of Jesus makes Jesus the son of David. That makes him the Messiah. Joseph will mentor him to become fully man. God has already ensured that he's fully God. Only that person can save us. Only that person can bridge the gap so that we can step through from the father of lies to the father of light and become children and inheritors of God and his kingdom. So that makes me very grateful this evening for our honorable, obedient, resilient Joseph. Yeah? Amen.